Good morning, one and all. Let's first bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks that we can come back before you this morning, spend some time in your word, and uh, pray that you would apply it to each and every one of our lives, that there'd be a portion for each and every one. Um, thank you, Lord, for the time that has been spent. It has been such an encouragement to be in your word in such depth. So we give you thanks and commit the next time, all this time before you, to your hands and to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The interesting part is uh, I got this email from uh, my brother Larry who said, you don't mind speaking on 11 and 12, do you? And I said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Let's try it. <clears throat> so what we're going to do, we're going to basically kind of have an overview of 11 and 12. Not going to spend a whole lot of time in 11, but uh, we are going to look at 11 and 12. And then we're also going to dive down one rabbit hole, as I like to call. We're going to spend a little time in Romans 12 because Romans 12 it sounds sounds crazy, matches right up to what these people were doing with their lives. Fascinating story. Nehemiah, by the way, is one of my three favorite books of the Bible. The other two are Romans and Philippians. But Nehemiah is a wonderful study in how one man can basically pull a nation that has just been scattered to the to the far reaches of the Middle East, bring them back together again, and lead. What I've always marveled at how Nehemiah opens up, and I'm just going to go back one quick second, how Nehemiah opens. Nehemiah opens, he sees what's going on, and he where does he go first? He doesn't go first and foremost to the king. He goes to his knees. I kind of like to think about that for a moment. You think about that so often sometimes when I I'm number one champion of this. My very first place, I go, okay, Lord, I, okay, I got to figure this out. And the Lord always likes to remind me, no, Jim, you got to come to me. So that's a little bit of a story, backstory on that. I think you kind of all know why also Nehemiah is my favorite. One of the things that really, uh, as I prepare for this message, struck me that the Bible is very similar in a lot of ways to other research material. Now, some would say, first and foremost, by the way, I want you to make sure you understand that the Bible, is the, I look, is the greatest book of all time. It's the measure. It's the heartbeat. It is the foundation of every Christian. And it's also, leads us in this way. It's the salvation of our souls, it points to the fact that how to live our lives in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it begs also the promise, that promise that he is coming again. And that makes that book certified, that it is the word of God in my mind. But the interesting thing, I couldn't help but see some similarities, and hit similarities to all this. As I said, the essence, two things that occur to me. The Bible documents life, first and foremost, from the beginning of time. The Bible is a precursor to what Civil War historians, he knew that was going to come, 
<coughs> call an AAR, an after action report. If you look at the book of Nehemiah, that's literally what's going on. Nehemiah is reporting how this all came back together again. How God in his faithfulness brought this back together again. During my research for the book, by the way, I relied quite heavily on 128 volumes, books. Can you imagine? 128 series of official records of the War of Rebellion, especially the ones in the Battle of Gettysburg. Naturally, this is one of three. Just want to show you how big these things get. Anyhow, that is almost the Bible for historians of history. I found it just like these ORs I just mentioned and the after-action reports that I mentioned. There's so much detail. There's so many little tidbits. We could spend hours just going over the names for each and every name here, right down to the Leviticus, the, the priest's names. So why do I prayerfully think the details of these names are important? Each one in some way, large and small, was involved in the rebuilding of the wall. That's already been shared before by my brothers. Even right down to who was going to stay in the cities. Interesting point here. Stay in the cities outside Jerusalem as the wall is being rebuilt. And those who are going to be sent back in to help build the wall. It also goes right down to what is going to, who's going to direct these celebratory choirs. A small note here, by the way. Notice the instruments they are using. Where are they from? There's 22 instruments, by the way, mentioned in the Bible. They're the instruments of King David. The other thing is a small note. David is, in other places, called a man after God's own heart. Here, in Nehemiah, He's called the man of God. Interesting thing, I thought about that for a moment. Is man, David, we sometimes kind of think, we kind of think in a uh-huh moment. Not the kind of guy you really want to remember or hold up. But here, as part of a foundation return, David is here, is membered not as a man after God holds God's own heart, but a man of God. <clears throat> I think what that speaks to, by the way, is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We all know it is. The mercy and the grace of God. Reminded here again, just by this little story of interjecting David into this. It also reinforces the love of God. In fact, in a number of ways, these two chapters do show his incredible love. As I mentioned before, God answers Nehemiah's prayer. It took a while, but he answers prayer. And a thought that comes to mind, by the way, we so often in our society want answers now. What happened? It took a long time to rebuild the wall, but God answered Nehemiah's prayer. He will answer our prayers. It just isn't going to be the way sometimes we think it should be. It's happened twice 
in our lives or family's lives where God did not answer prayer the way we wanted it to be. First of all was my mother-in-law's illness, and then lately was my dear sister-in-law, Lori. We all prayed, come on, Lord, heal her. Both of them, heal them, please. What a great miracle that would be. And I always wonder why God let me experience when I'm with my mother-in-law. Randy Amos said at one time, it's a great thought here, by the way, I just want you to understand this. Randy made the point that he was praying to God that God would use this great miracle and heal Grace Bateman. When Grace died, Randy was quite upset. And Randy and I talked, and then Randy looked me in the eye and said, yes, but God did answer the prayer. He healed her. He took her home. I look at it the same way what happened with my, my sister-in-law. God answered prayer. It just wasn't the way we wanted it to be. But Lori's now home, praising his name, and uh, probably getting ready for the wedding feast. If I know my sister-in-law. <clears throat> Again, by the way, I, I'm going to remind you of several times. The other thing is, as you read these two chapters, is once again, notice that the detail, the details in the telling of the story, there is no detail left out. You get into Romans 12, and you get into the list of the names of those who are going to, who are doing things, and you get into the list of the names of the priests, and you get into the list of the guys who are going to direct the choir, and you get into the list, and you're so on and so forth. You go, wait a minute, whoa, 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 back up. But the details are in there. God wants us to know those details. To the celebration. The wall is now complete. And these two great choirs stand up on a wall. One on one gate, one side of the gate, the other side of the other gate. As I mentioned before, there are 22 instruments in the Bible. The interesting thing about those in the choir is they were not only had to be great singers, but they had to be true worshipers of God. We can all sing a hallelujah. I remember a wonderful time up at camp two summers ago. Man, we got rocking and rolling on the last night of Saturday on of camp. Boy, I'll tell you, you want to talk about worship. Amen. But if it's not from the depths of our souls, with clean hearts and clean minds, it's worthless. It's just entertainment. That's a thought for us here. As with the whole project, God's way is the focus. First of all, the priests led the way by purifying themselves. Notice that the spiritual aspect of this restoration of the wall was not, yeah, we did it. No. It was a purifying of the people. There was a definite acknowledgement of God that God had done this no other way. Then the people. Why is this important? We can live our lives as believers as a soulish kind of existence. As one commentator said, where give worship and praise inside these walls or we let God guide us in everything we do, not living in pure ways outside the building. In other words, just coming in here, 
giving it lip service and go home and doesn't. Not that way. Hebrews 4, 12. We can live our lives right now. We can purify ourselves right now. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and true to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 through 9. What can you and I truly take from these two chapters? A reminder that there is a great cloud of witnesses whom we go before, whom go before us, Hebrews 11. Their lives are stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Give you a what if. What happened if everybody just kind of said, nah, a Jerusalem sick. Deserves to be there. No, it's a, it's a testimony to God's faithfulness, his sustaining grace. Worship, by the way, is not only individual, but collective. We just did it this morning. And we must do it with purified hearts. We cannot do this alone. We are all part of the body of Christ. We need each other. I'm going to read this. Give me for a minute. Pull this up. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It talks about the body of Christ. You and I need each other. The hand cannot say to the eye or whatever you want to get into or body part. We all need each other. Without my heart, I'm dead. My heart beats on. Without my hands, I can't do things. Without my legs, I can't walk. Without, and believe me, yeah, you learn that real quick when you can't walk. We all need each other. We all have our place in this body of Christ. Collectively, the whole body together, but the local body as well. This one. We, we must show each other care outside these walls. It's nice to be involved, but we should really care for one another. By the way, I'm pointing my finger at myself, by the way. My dad used to say, be careful when you point a finger. There's three pointing back at you, Jim. So there's three times the message to you of what you should do. And having said that, if there's any regret I have, is that I have not been more supportive of you all collectively. And individually, I own up to that. I want to change that. And I will work on that for the rest of the time I am here. My notes say here, go to Romans 12. We're running a little short on time. So we're just going to keep moving on. From a leadership perspective, what can we take from Nehemiah? He was a team builder. It's obvious as you look at this at the end, even the ceremony, he's involved with the detail. Nehemiah led also by example. There's no thought in this story Anywhere, anywhere of Nehemiah showing impatience, Nehemiah getting frustrated, Nehemiah getting angry with the saints. He led by patience. He led by being kind, but he led by he was there 
for the whole length of the project. He never, ever wavered. And God honored him with the completion of that. If there's any final lesson to learn from this, faithfulness to God and the task before us, never giving up with a prayerful focus. Philippians 3, press on. Forgive me for a moment. We're going to close, I think, this thought. On a monument to Robert McAllister, there is an inscription. It says, he fought the fight, he kept the faith. In essence, just like Nehemiah, he pressed on. Pressed on. I can't imagine what it must have been like to every morning get up and that project of the wall is staring him in the face. Naturally, me, I, I, I'm a little short-sighted. Sometimes I have a hard time finishing a, finishing a task. Just look at what it took to finish the book, 15 years. But the thing about this is that Nehemiah steadfastly finished the project. He did it with prayer, bathed it with prayer. And I find that just an incredible reinforcement. So to you, my dear fellow believers, press on towards the mark, towards the upward call. But notice where all that scripture finishes. It doesn't just end there towards the mark. It says what? In Christ Jesus. That is my desire for not only me, but for all of us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our God, our Father, again, thank you for this time and this portion. Thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Pray, Lord, that you would cause me to remember my pledge. And we pray, Lord, for each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.